0: you, Heather. Thank you, Heather. Oh, how are you guys all doing this morning? All right. Well, yeah, you like the new digs? So, yeah, well, yeah, so this is, man, I've had, honestly, the honor and privilege of being part of so many VBSs. Um, I mean, more than I have fingers on my hands. And, and so we do this every summer here at Genesis. And what VBS is, is Vacation Bible School. And uh, what this is, is a time while kids are off for school, they're on summer break, uh, we invite them in. And it's a fun program. So uh, this year is Twists and Turns. It's about uh, board games and it's video game themed where you know, as there's twists and turns to life. Uh, it's just like the games. And so we bring in something fun. I'm going to dress up like Mario. We're going to have Justin dress up like Luigi. And so we just have fun with the kids. But I want you guys to know this. This is outreach. The VBS, where this is for our kids here at Genesis. A lot of them are going to be here uh, this coming week. This is for families in the community around us who normally wouldn't come to church. And yet they're like, whoa, you're gonna take my kid for a week? And it's gonna be fun. And they're gonna, you know, they're a you of games and, 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 you know, uh, characters and th- this uh, attractive thing where we get to teach our next generation of kids the glory of God and His goodness. And this is everything DJ was talking about last week, where we wanna pour into these kids. And I'm telling you from experience, They are hungry. They are just hungry for truth. Um, And honestly, I think they're starving because what they're getting from the world and what they're getting from social media and, and all these things are just not feeding to the root of what they yearn for. And so this morning, we're gonna go through a week lesson. Uh, so I'm gonna breeze through this. So no, uh, you know, if there's any point, you know, you want more information on, or want to talk to me more, you can use text Genesis for that. We love you guys. I love you. I love spending time with you. So if you want to buy me a cup of coffee, or do something, we could, we could talk more on these things. But no, we'll do kind of uh, yeah, a breeze through this. And this is uh, the the adult sermon for this. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll package it in a, in a different way for the kids this week. But uh, this is for you guys. So as you know, we've been going through Acts and Acts is about being like minded, right? One as a, a church unit. And so this is a way we get to do that uh, as we're, you know, we, we might have, have kids at VBS, maybe some neighbors, kids. Um, but even w- if we don't, we could be praying throughout the week. So you can follow along this morning with the Version app, and, uh, or bring out uh, your Bibles, but uh, we're going to be going through uh, the life of Paul um, and walking through his life, showing us that Jesus is holy, uh, Jesus is trustworthy, Jesus is forgiving, Jesus is worth following, and Jesus is for everyone. Um, so before we get into our time, uh, let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Holy Father, we just thank you so much for today. Um, I just thank you so much for the, for the energy, Lord, um, for the privilege to share your word. Uh, give me the strength this morning and give us all ears to hear your truth, your love, and your victory uh, you have for us today, Lord. Um, give me the strength to plant your seeds, um, and we know that uh, you will grow them uh, deep, deep into our souls. So. May um, we be rooted in your truth this morning. In Jesus' great name, amen. So we'll start with um, the whole theme of this uh, is, is uh, Psalm 25.4. And it's, show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. And so this is the essence of Jesus calling us to follow him. But what we're gonna walk through this morning and what the VBS lesson is this coming week is the why behind that. Why Jesus is so worthy to be followed, right? Why? Because I could follow anything. Why should I follow Jesus? So keep that in mind as Psalm is this root for this, that he guides our paths. And so we're gonna start with um, the fact that Jesus is holy. And so what holy means is holy is set apart. Uh, holy means it's different. So like there's everything else, and then there, there, there's holy. And so in God's case, this does this means perfection. Because God, even in the, the Trinity, which I'm not going to get into this morning, last time I preached on the Trinity... went over an hour. And so we'll, but in that fact alone, where it's like, how can that be? This is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, different, different than anything else. And so when we go back um, in the book of of Exodus, right, with with Moses, and now he has this encounter, he has this experience with God, and now he knows who God is, because he's, He's like, whoa, it's a burning bush. And like, he, he's just like, okay, this is bigger than me. But what he asks God is, what should I call you? As I go out and follow you and do what you're leading me to do, who should I say you are? And God answers with, I am. He goes, I am who I am. And this is where we get the word Yahweh. It's a Hebrew word, Yahweh, from I am. But this morning... I want you to think about a, this is a more literal um, interpretation of Yahweh. And it's actually, he brings existence to everything that exists. So essentially what God is saying to Moses is, I bring into existence everything that exists. And that's a mindset of holy. This is how God is set apart. Where God is not having to look through a rule book to know how to do anything. He is the rule book. That's where that perfection is. What God does is nothing else, no one else creates. God does. Everything else just corrupts that creation. That's the life we're living in. These are the twists and turns of fallen world, but where God is the creator of all. So the universe, the stars, the moon, the sun, the earth, all of these things are not God in themselves. They're created by God. That's how big God is, right? That's what this is all about, His love letter to us. His description, right, of him and his character to us. That's how God's set apart. And that's a good thing to soak in because honestly, that's where blasphemy makes sense, right? Blasphemy is now like this, well, I'm going to put something other than God above God. And it's like, how? Like anything less than, anything other than God is a lesser than. That's like the things that take our attention and what we learn about. And where the, these are good things, right? When they're the top, they're, they're our idols. These are, when this is above God, that's not a rightful place for anything but God. That's how he's holy. And so with that, I'm gonna bring your attention to the potato. <laughs> this has been sitting in our kitchen this week, and it kept grabbing my attention. It just is, this came from my beautiful wife, Carmel's garden, and yeah, one, if I'm like, what the heck, what's this all about? But the potato plant is an amazing thing. Like the potato, this is just the root. Like this is underground as the root, and the potato plant is up top. And actually, in my research of the potato plant, I found this quite interesting, that actually when you have just the right environment, the potato plant actually flowers, too. And, and then it, it, it'll wither, and it'll die, and that's how you know it's time to pull it up, and you have your potatoes. But the thing with the potato is, this is nutrition. This is sustenance. This feeds you. I mean... Uh, Carmel and I were privileged enough to take a trip to Ireland last year, and so we got to hear the whole story. But I mean, through the 1700s, up until uh, the Great Potato Famine, uh, the mid-1800s, I mean, people lived. The people of Ireland lived solely on the potato, the nutrients of this. And I'm just looking at this, and I'm like, God made this, and in such a beautiful way. And we're like, Carmel got to sow the seed, put it in soil, right? And, and have it grow and water it. She didn't make the seed. She didn't make the soil, right? She didn't make the water. She didn't make the sun shine. God does all that. And that's really good to absorb because this is the beautiful calling of God. He calls us to tend. We have. He goes, hey, come on. Like, I'll let you right? Tend this. Be part of this creation, but no, make no mistake about it. The wind will blow. The seeds will fall. They'll embed in the soil. The rain will come, and the sun will shine, and they will grow. God's will will be done with or without us. He doesn't need us, but he wants us, and he wants us part of this tending and, and, and sharing him to the community. And so, we're going to start this journey uh, with Peter's life. Uh, Peter's a great character. I love him. I relate to him way too much. But um, let's see uh, in Matthew 4, the beginning of Peter, Peter's journey with Jesus. It's Matthew 4, 18 through 20. It says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's also called Peter, and Andrew. Uh, throwing a net into water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, "Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people." And they left their nets at once and followed him. Real, real short text here, but I want you to notice that last line, uh, verse twenty they left their nets at once and followed him. What happened there? They had an encounter with God. They saw his holiness. And not fully, because actually if if you're going to talk about Peter experiencing how holy God is, we would be talking about the transfiguration. Like He got to see God in all his glory, and that's to come later. But I want us to focus on this starting point. They didn't know quite everything just yet, but they knew this man Jesus was different. One, because they didn't catch fish all day, and he, and he goes, why don't you try it one more time? I'm like, what are you talking about? We're professional fishermen. There's no fish in here. He's like, ah, trust me. Okay. They lowered their nets, more fish than they've ever, have ever seen come up. This is an experience with God. And I can't help to think about what we would read later in the Gospels of just the encounter Jesus had with a woman at the well and how she goes back to the community around her, her hometown. She goes, come see a man who has told me my whole life. Like who could know that other than the, the Messiah? So this is a bit of these encounters where God is different. He is holy beyond anything else. He is the holy of holies, the Lord of lords, the father of fathers, and this who is, is who is calling us to follow him. And now Jesus is trustworthy. And uh, as we see this in Matthew 14, verses 22 and uh, 33, um this is the famous peter uh walking on water as jesus calls him and so it looked like this as uh, verse 22 starts immediately after this jesus insisted and this was you know uh, jesus talking to the multitudes jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat and cross the other side of the lake while he sent the people home and after sending them home he went up into the hills by himself to pray night fell when he was there alone, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. So here's a storm, right? These are some twists and turns to life, right? It was a clear day, and now here's a storm. They're freaking out. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in fear. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus says, yes, come. You got to love Peter here. Don't we all know a Peter? Like, they're in a storm, it's chaos, and he's like, hey, let's do something crazy. Like, they're in the chaos. Maybe it's avoidance, you know? I don't want to deal with this storm, so going over here. But maybe it's the safety where, oh, man, there's Jesus. I'd rather be with you out in the water than in this boat, in these waves. But nonetheless, Jesus says, yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, hmm, what's he focusing on? He was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Jesus is trustworthy even when I doubt. I want you to notice this. What kind of tone do you hear Jesus saying You have so little faith. Why do you doubt me, to Peter? Because too many times, like we believe a lie. Like Jesus is is reprimanding uh, Peter. Like he's scolding him. Ah, in disgust. You have little faith. What are you doing? And I can't help but read this and think of my son Jojo. Jojo likes to go on the kitchen countertops or at the top of his bunk bed, and go, "Daddy, Daddy, catch me, catch me!" And I'm like, "All right, buddy, I'll catch you. Jump!" And he'll be, "Ha, ha," and he doesn't jump. And I'm like, "Buddy, I got you. Jump!" Trust me, I'm gonna catch you. I won't let you fall. This is Jesus's tone. Amen. Yeah. This is Jesus's tone through this, because he love. He is our loving Father, and that makes him the most trustworthy source in this universe. And Jesus is forgiving. We see this in Luke chapter 22 verses 31 and 34 where Jesus goes to Peter and says, Simon, Simon, Satan, he was also referred to as Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repentance, Repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. Say that you don't even know me which, of course, goes on to happen. And again, this personality of Peter, I relate to all too much. Just overzealous. I mean, this is the same guy. Like when the Roman officers were coming to arrest Jesus, grabbed the sword and just cuts off the air of the the soldier. And Jesus comes and heals it. And too many times when we're overzealous, we just let our guard down to the attacks of Satan that Jesus has already warned him about. He's going to sift you. He's going to test you. Really? You love Jesus? Let's find out. You're not a people pleaser? Let's find out. Let's get all the people around you, get your neighbors and your friends. And when they're all doubting Jesus and knocking them, let's see what you do, and that's exactly what happens. And Peter goes on to deny Jesus in public three times. Jesus goes on to die die on the cross, comes back from his resurrection to earth to see his followers, his disciples, and goes directly to Peter. And he goes, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yeah, of course I love you, Lord. I love you. Peter, do you love me? Of course, of course. Peter, do you love me? Three times. That's very significant. Because it wipes the slate clean. You are forgiven, Peter. That's what God's telling him there. You are forgiven. You are healed from the shame of betraying me. I hold no grudge. I hold no memory to that. That's how Jesus Forgives. Jesus is worth following. As we see in Peter, as he continues on this journey with Jesus, he then goes on from this healed state, mind you, of being forgiven. Where would he have been? We could look at Judas through this Judas of just holding the weight of betrayal hangs himself on a tree. Peter, healed from betraying Jesus, making amends, accepting the forgiveness Jesus has for him. He goes on here in Acts 3. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, one called the Beautiful Gate, so he could beg for the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter looked. Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. We'll take a pause there. Peter goes on through his journey of healing with Jesus to heal others. But I want you to notice this because this is consistent with Jesus's healing, his physical healings on this earth. He always followed it with I did what you could see so that you believe me when I speak of the healing that you can't see. Jesus's priority was spiritual healing. It was eternal, because as we're healed, our earthly bodies, as great as that is, the miracle that is, we will still leave this earth. They're still temporary. The bigger picture for God and his love and grace for us and his forgiveness is of eternal significance, and Peter knows this. So as he healed, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, this guy... I know he's, he's been lame his whole life. He can never walk. He's always begging in front of the temple. And now he's walking. Peter sees the opportunity to preach, to share the gospel with the people. And that's what he does in verse 12. Well, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? Again, this is the holy thing. There's only one who's truly different. For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus who you handed over and rejected before Pilate. Despite Pilate's decision to release him, you rejected his holy righteous, this holy righteous one, and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. What was done that you could see is so that you have faith and believe that you are healed for eternity. And all those promises of God are true and real. This is why Jesus is worth following Because Jesus is about healing. There is nothing you can go through that Jesus cannot relate to. There is no shame that can keep you from Jesus. For him to say, oh, I don't know about that. Can't help you with that one. Jesus was hung. You know, this is the thing. Sometimes we are just so... Kind and I get it, but the image of Jesus with a loincloth around him is not historically accurate. Jesus was hung on the cross naked. He was shamed. He was beaten. He was laughed at. He was spit on. He was whipped. He was tortured naked by his own creation by his children. He can relate to our shame, to our grief, to our sorrows. This is the God we follow, an intimate God connected to us. He knows our pain. He doesn't pat us on the head and say, there, there. He is with us, embracing us and comforting. He gives us that comfort through the hardest of times. Through the biggest twists and turns of this life, I want to wrap up with, in fact, that Jesus is for everyone, and so we have a reference to uh, Acts 10, and we actually went through this a few months ago as we we're going through Acts. But I'll give you a quick reminder of this um, story of Cornelius called to go get Peter, but this is where Peter, uh, deep into his ministry, does what I think. I certainly am guilty of too many times, but we all fall into that as good as Jesus is, he's mine. And he's for my friends and these people over here, but he's not for these people. And so Cornelius goes and he gets Peter and Peter has this vision. It's that weird vision, right? The sheet with the four corners and there's animals on it. And they're the unclean animals, you know, the cloven hooves and the pigs. And Peter is perplexed. He's like, what? So in this vision, it says, don't call anything unclean that God has made clean. And Peter still doesn't get it. And I actually love this part because in the vision, it clarifies three times. And it shows just how God truly knows every hair on our head, every bit of our being. He's so personal. He knows Peter. He goes, I know I got to do this three times to get through to you. And Peter goes on to be awakened to the fact the goodness of of God is for everyone. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is for everyone. And that changes the game for everyone. He has this epiphany, right, which is no epiphany at all. It's nothing of his own effort, right? It's all God's revelation that, oh, Israel is a chosen people. We're chosen to reflect God to the world So that when Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah comes, now it opens it up to everyone. Everyone is welcome to be adopted into the family of Christ. And this is our calling. This is our calling as believers, where the Great Commission to go out, right, We're experiencing healing from God as we journey with him through life. God heals us. And God, through the community of the church, heals us. We're connected, right? We're one body. We're united. And now we go out and share that with everyone around us and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so... In that beautiful calling we all get to do, uh, we get to celebrate that this morning as we are going to do baptisms, Uh, we have uh, Mr. Neil Neil here and uh, his lovely...